0: Hi, this is Rachel Fisher. And this is Desi Jenakin. And we host the Hollywood Crime Scene Podcast. We're really excited to tell you about the best Christmas ever on AMC+, where every day feels like Christmas morning. It's the holiday season, and that means it's time to see old
1: friends like Buddy the Elf, Heat Miser, and Clark Griswold. Plus, you get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond. They're all here on AMC+.
0: So celebrate the best Christmas ever, anytime, anywhere. AMC+, is the gift, That keeps on giving all year long. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus only the good stuff. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag
1: und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's als Lied. Hello, and welcome to Gag Impressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. And joining me, as always, is Chris Williams. And Chris, I feel there's something that you want to touch on um, going into the podcast this week. Let's get it over with.
0: Um, yeah, so sometimes as a football writer, uh, you get things uh, wrong or you get things spectacularly wrong. Um, and on this point, um, someone that I trusted, not only did they have my eyes out, but they also had my trousers down. So, um, yep, yeah, it's um, it couldn't have been more spectacularly wrong. And I think you learn from it, Bryce, and you move on, which is exactly what I've done.
1: Exactly, and well put, Chris. I mean, these things will happen in the world of football, won't they? But um, joining Chris and I back over the water, yes, he's back in Canada. Well, he got there eventually. It's Manu Vets, Manu. A bit of a torrid time getting back, eh?
2: Yeah, twenty-four hour trip. Uh, one delayed flight, one flight that had to turn around midway through the flight. Uh, we got down safe, so it's all good. But yeah, happy to be back at home uh, in Canada with my wife. My cat, my family. So that's, that's all great. It was a great two months in, in Europe, Bryce. It was a fantastic, fantastic time. And I'm back in the early spring and I can't wait because I think there's a lot of exciting things happening. But yes, for now, it's just nice to refuel and re- have, recharge the batteries and, um, you know, get football grad, get lots of articles on because we have lots of articles going on right now and lots of stories going on. So it's all good, Bryce. How are you, by the way?
1: Yeah, not too bad. Busy as ever in my line of work. Um yeah, January's always a busy month, but we'll not talk about that. We'll talk football. That's that's much more interesting and that's why everyone tunes in. Eh? So, guys, uh let's let's get to it. Uh Bundesliga um is back. It's uh highly entertaining as always, and I feel um well, let's start the opposite end of the table that we may normally do and speak about Cologne. Uh, we all know that Cologne have had a horrid time in the uh, first half of the season. And we, we did talk, didn't we, uh, in the winter break, about it would need somewhat of a miracle for them to pull through this. But they've started off well um, by winning 2-1 over uh, rivals at Gladbach. Th- this was a rather dramatic uh, win with a goal right at the end from new striker to Rhodes. Uh, Chris... Uh, is the um is the comeback on? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know if we can go that far, but um, I tell you what: if you're going to score on your debut, make it a header um, in the very last minute. It goes down a treat in any derby, Bryce. Be that in the UK or be it in Germany. And this was a fantastic game, and I suppose it's a big relief for Cologne. They've finally won a game. Um, I thought the I thought the interaction on social media between the two clubs was um, fantastic I don't know if you saw that with um, uh, Timo Horn holding his um, arms in the air it was it was brilliant and I- what Gladbach said to that but the game itself I thought was very good um and yeah nice dramatic sunday afternoon winner uh, I think we can probably give it to Cologne because They've been horrendous, haven't they, all season? Is uh, it is it come back on? Um, if you've got nine points after match day 18, I, I'm going to say no, it's not back on.
2: But, but cr- it's, it's still a great result, nonetheless. Chris, everything went for them this match day, though, because Hamburg lost and Werder only drew, right? And Mainz, let me just double check this. Mainz also lost, so. I'm not saying it's on, but you know it is for anyone who dares to dream this is the perfect way to start a Rückrunde if you're a cologne fan,
0: oh definitely, but you know the harsh reality is yeah. if they want to get out of the danger zone, they've got to make ten mm. points up from somewhere,
2: yeah, that means keep on winning, but I guess this is i guess as long as they keep winning and um, they there's going to be people in Cologne dreaming that this 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 could maybe happen, and I guess. Beating their closest rival just adds it, and then I think you know that 96th minute winner by Tirode. If there is anyone really you know daring to dream about this, I think they will all gotten the fuel was put on their fire. Um, you know the, the 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 believers are certainly back.
1: Well, that's it. Uh, I think we need to um you know, look at those uh, believers and the stats that they're producing. They've won two of their last two games. They've picked up six points out of six, um, and they have not been beaten in 180 minutes. That's pretty good, right?
0: Oh yeah, it's fantastic, but I still think (laughs) they've left themselves too much of a mountain to climb. Maybe if they'd done it on match day six or seven, it would have been a bit better, but now turning the corner in the new year it would be remarkable if they escaped and it would probably be one of the best escapes that i've ever seen in, in any league but i think they may go close but i think finding their form at this particular time of the season won't help as in at the very end pulling out but they keep going you never know you can never say never bryce
2: there's actually an interesting statistic guys so uh in the last 10 years seven teams um, that were fit, were last just before the winter break changed their head coaches and all seven managed to stay in the league. Oh, oh just saying, Köln would be the first team not to do it if, it if they go down.
1: I'm surprised that Chris didn't just say, after my stats, so they've won two games in two. That's the only two they have won this season.
2: Uh, but I, I anyway,
0: get that. They, they, they're doing well. And, and that's, that's a very good, truthful stat, but I, I, I just can't see it on this one. Yeah. Also, I it's,
2: it's, I think it's like the worst possible situation of all the situations in the past. This is probably the toughest, right? To just put it into perspective. But if they do pull it off, I mean, it would be the biggest story there's been in a long time in the Bundesliga. So uh, I personally hope they keep on winning. Just so that, you know, we have we have the story um, that can, even if they fail in the end, I mean, just that, they, that, that they're some sort of like a relegation race at least.
1: Well, that said, we don't want to see anyone at the top of the table or at the bottom be too far adrift, do we? We want to see a little bit closer than that. So let's hope that Cologne can pick up another few points to at least make it a bit more interesting. But... I think, as Chris was saying, they've got an awful lot of work to do. But uh, let's talk about one of the sides uh, down there that have also struggled um, in Hamburg. Uh, I mean, they're they're always in the thick of it, it seems. Um, but Manu, you you're not going to uh, sing the praises of of Augsburg, are you? I mean, that's not something you like to do. But they've had a pretty good season so mm. far, up to seventh, twenty seven 27 points. You know, they're they're only a few points away from. Well, I don't know, the likes of Dortmund, Leverkusen, you know?
2: Yeah, maybe the surprise team of the season so far.
1: That was hard for you to say, wasn't it? <laughs> that's it, that's all <laughs> <laughs> that, that was it. Okay, well, well Chris, um, let's talk about Hamburg then. Um, I mean, they're regulars uh, down that end of the table. Um, they've got Cologne this coming week, actually, late kickoff on Saturday. Uh, d- do you think... They will be going into this thinking it's it's a must win, or do you think because of the gap they have between uh, them and Cologne that's you know, it's there's not quite that urgency.
0: Um, if I was Hamburg, I'd be very worried because if they play Cologne and they lose, then you know, all of a sudden, um, your stat goes from winning their last two games to their last three games, and then we can maybe start talking about putting a run together. Uh, (laughs) And if you're getting beaten by the bottom side. There's, there's a bit of a problem and Hamburg, you know, <laughs> they're there and thereabouts. I've got a feeling this year it might be time for that clock to stop ticking.
2: Tick tock, tick tock. Oh. We talked about the clock. Um, I, I have a feeling that Markus Gistol is losing the dressing room a little bit. You know, he's, there's been a lot of criticism in Hamburg that, um, the, the club obviously has been, is pummeling down the table and he's still, talk the only thing he's working on is his transition game. Um when that is something that you don't necessarily need to worry about in, in the relegation dogfight, right, Chris? I mean when relegation you it's all about buckling down and getting results rather than working on, you know, your site site's transition game. Um it seems a bit one dimensional when it comes to finding solutions to problems.
0: Um, yeah, and the thing about this game, it was it was typically Hamburg game. It was pretty much Nothing. There was not much action going on. It was controlled a bit by, you call it a torrid midfield dogged fight between two sides. And I think at the end of the day, Augsburg made that chance um, that that they took and, and they won the game. And therefore, Hamburg had nothing to give back. Um, yeah, it, it's... Last season, at times when Papadopoulos started playing well um, for them, and, and he came in and he had an instant impact, and we saw them play some really good football, didn't we? And they pulled themselves out of a of a dodgy situation, especially maybe the last five six games of the of the season. But they were playing some sort of football that had some rhythm and and some sort of watchability. I I don't see it at the moment. Um, yeah, I I just
2: do not see this bit at the minute. Yeah, neither do I, and I almost wonder if if they are the next team to make a coaching change. I think a lot of will depend on the game against Cologne, right? If they lose that game, then Cologne's chase is on and Hamburg are in big, big, big trouble. It's almost like a, a bit of a final in, in a lot of respects, the game. And it's fittingly enough, it is the Saturday evening game, right? The, the top spiel um yes it's on the other end of the table but there's so much on the line so it's actually a very good choice for a top spiel in a lot of ways and I think that's going to be such a fascinating game to watch for, because of so many of the storylines so many of the things that could happen um depending on which way this game goes And Marcus
0: Gestalt He's trying to do the right thing. He's trying to bring substitutes on. He's trying to put them in. You know, he changed the, um, he basically changed the whole of the attack, didn't he? Went looking for that final, final goal in maybe the last 10 to 15 minutes of that, uh, game. But the players didn't have anything. Uh, Augsburg never really, I thought, looked threatened. I watched this game as part of the, all the Saturday games on the conference. So flitted from match to match as the goals went in and then re looked at them later on the, um, On the highlight show that comes straight after and the highlights for this were pretty much all Augsburg and by rights they should have probably won by a lot more than they did so
1: Chris um just to stick with you um who who or what do Hamburg need to do to to pull out of this I mean it is January it's a transfer window is there anyone that you possibly suggest uh, they could bring in whether it's a uh, just a defender or where it's a striker. I mean, I hear that Kaiser of uh, RB Leipzig, uh, uh, he's a name batting around. Whether there's any truth to that, I don't know.
0: Uh, me, don't, don't ask me about transfers. I'm staying well out of them, Brian. Um, <laughs> but for as far as Hamburg uh, are concerned, I, I don't know. I think it might be a managerial change because if you take their players individually, they've got some really, really good players. Um, it's just the sum is great, is less than the parts, isn't it? With a team with the likes of Papadopoulos in and Kostic and, and Wood, um, even um, Ito that came on, these guys should be able to pull themselves clear of a relegation fight, but they haven't. And at the minute, to be honest, they don't look like doing that. So maybe it is a change. I mean, Peter Stoger obviously left Clone and. They've done particularly well since he's gone. So sometimes it's moving that coach on. It brings a fresh mindset in. But they have to replace him with the right person.
2: You point something interesting out, Bryce, in, in terms of transfers. Because that's what Curran has done today, right? They brought in Vincent Cossiello, uh from from Nice. A very talented midfielder to to further strengthen that lineup. So... You know, Hamburg, they have, we have a lot of issues with, with the Brazilians, uh, Douglas Santos and Wallace in particular, who's been trying to force a transfer away, but there's no money there. Um, yet at the same time, you know, Chris Bobby Wood has been maybe the disappointment of the season in so many regards. And so yet they have a 17 year old in Fita Ab who's enormously talented, basically playing the front line. But you know, for a young striker like Fita Arp, to charge the line is is maybe asked too much for. So they, I, I personally feel they need someone with a bit of experience to come in and just help them. But on the other hand, you need money to do that. Yeah,
0: and we should really applaud that purchase of four million euros with add-ons. In today's market, that's an unbelievable snip.
1: Yeah. So we don't know. Whether the changes need to happen on or off the pitch at Hamburg, but definitely something needs to happen soon. That late kickoff game on Saturday is going to be very interesting. Manu, a, a topic that we've spoke about plenty, uh, this season has been VAR. Um, uh, you, you wanted to speak a little bit about this again after they've decided to restructure the system. Uh, can you explain exactly what exactly does that mean?
2: You know, what, what have they done? What, what changes have happened? Well, they've given the power back to the referees on the field. The idea is that you basically let the referees make the, the decisions on the field and then have the referees decide on whether or not they going to look at the decision again. So change, change, sort of change the rules from, you know, Köln constantly yabbering into the ears of the referees to the referees asking for help from Köln. Um, you know, Cologne is of course where the, the, the VAR. Um, offices, you know, the, the often called, uh, various things, the basement, the bunker. Um, you know, lots of negative connotations with that place because it's so far removed from the stadium. But I actually thought it did a very good job at this match day. I know John McKenzie, our Gladbach expert was a little unhappy because VAR wasn't used for one of the decisions. But in the end of the day, I think VAR should only be used for when there is. For game-changing, massive game-changing moments, right? That was the entire idea behind it. Whether it was goal, a pen, missed penalty, or missed uh, red card, those are three things that you want to use VAR for. For everything else, let the referee on the field make the decision. And the fact that the referees only used it once on this entire match day tells me that they're sort of on the right track. This is this is how they do it in MLS, you know, as I have said countless times. I've been at many, many Vancouver Whitecaps games and I've never seen the system used once. Um, it's because referees are not supposed to use it countless times. And I, You know, Chris, we always talked about that it needs to be a system that's there as a tool to be used at the last resort, but not all the time to make the match sort of last longer and longer and longer.
0: Yeah, and you have to look at what VAR does. It brings um, the referees mistake process down doesn't it by the point of review but let's remember that from the stats across football and this is from world football the leagues that I brought um, um the leagues that I brought var in the average uh, percentage of correct decisions is 96 or there or thereabouts vir takes that up to 98 it'll never take it up to 100 because there's human interpretation throughout so I think the way it was used this match day and correct me if I'm wrong, Manu, but it was just for the yellow card, wasn't it? Which I thought could have been a red. It was a bit of a bad tackle. But um, that's the only time and that's for me how it should be. The referee should be in control and I think when it was rolled out, the referees were scared to not trust their instinct and maybe they've gone back the other way, but hopefully we'll find a happy medium. But it needs to be for decisions that the referee just doesn't know and we have seen in the past that he's the, you know the referee, or he or she, has been um, maybe questioning their own decision-making process and looking for a bit of backing from the people in Cologne, and that's not what it was designed for at all. So I think this is a good use of it this match day. But there'll be people will saying, "Oh, such and such was missed," or maybe that was a chance to bring it in. So it's never going to eradicate all the mistakes in the game. It just makes it a little better. And you know, I was at Stuttgart for that penalty in the, I think it was in the 94th minute, and that. That decision was probably about a hundred seconds too long, and that for me is far too long of an introduction to the game.
1: Yeah, VAR eh? still still causing a controversy. Uh, you know, for the rest of us, um, talking about things off the pitch. Um, no doubt it'll continue as the uh, season goes on, but. Um, Guys, let's back, get back to the football. Um, we opened up on Friday night, didn't we, with uh, bayern Leverkusen, who have had a, a very strong season so far, as Manu rightly um, predicted, uh, taking on champions Bayern Munich. Uh, the game ended 3-1. Um, a rather strong performance by uh, Munich. Um, Chris, um, how exactly uh, did you see this game? You know, Lewandowski wasn't on, but... Um, we still didn't see Wagner's start, did we?
0: Uh, no, we didn't. And um, How did I see his game? I thought it was a very good game. Um, very interesting to note that it was the first trial of our own new system, the live blog, and it, it went very well. So if you haven't seen that, there's a chance to go onto the Foosport Stat web page and, and look over the action as it happened. Um, very quick plug that those will be in operation this coming match day. But for this particular match day against... Um, Bayern Munich, I thought Bayern Leverkusen were well I thought they started fantastically priced they were very very quick out the blocks but unfortunately they couldn't get that early breakthrough, I'm pretty sure that that's what their game plan was to try and get an early breakthrough and they couldn't and eventually it got a little bit dogged and Bayern, Munich being Bayern, they took over and they started to control the game and then they scored and then they scored again and and there was a little wobble Um, that shows how Bayern aren't as strong and as they once were, and that how teams can get back at them because there was about a ten minute period in the second half where they looked particularly ropey. But in the end it all came down to you know, a wonderful, wonderful free kick from I think a guy who probably had his best game in a Bayern Munich for me, and that was James Rodriguez. I thought he was excellent. Um he just he just destroyed the uh, Leverkusen right hand side when he was attacking down that left and he attacked it on Will. Um, and I thought it was a very buying performance, but give Bayern, but give Bayern Leverkusen their due. Sorry, they they really took the game to them. I just thought they were lacking a little bit of quality. I was a little disappointed with Julian Brandt at times. Bailey looked fantastic again. Uh, he was one of the main threats going down their left hand side early on, and that's where it looked like they were going to get that gate, the goal from. But in the end, I thought um, Bayern Munich's deeper quality just just saw them at. I don't know, man. If Leverkusen looked like they were trying too hard at times, maybe if he sort of relaxed a
2: little, that early goal by came. Yeah, and I'm, I wasn't sure if maybe Heiko Herrlich overthought his tactics a little bit there because he he played Bella and Bailey as kind of like wing wingbacks, and Bailey has been excellent all season. He was fantastic in this game too, but Bailey is also. Um, very good defensively. His defensive instincts are quite good. So on the left, it worked actually quite well. I thought, um, you know, if Brunt had pulled his weight a little bit more, I think that would have been a very good one, two combination. But playing Bellarabi in the defensive position, um, for me, Bellarabi doesn't track back enough to play that deep uh, on the, on the right side of the pitch. You know, he doesn't, he's not a right back. And so that exposed exposed him a little bit needlessly you know Frank Ribéry when he scored that goal he had too much space and room and that was mostly because he played against Bellarabi on that side right and that's not necessarily Bellarabi's fault either because he's not someone who's supposed to play in a defensive position against Ribéry that just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me so I think Heiko Herrlich maybe tactically overthought This match, I think sometimes it's best to just go with your best 11 and instead of coming up with um, tactical systems, trying to break down uh, what is still the best side in German football, you should just let, let your boys play in the, in the formation that they're most comfortable with. And Leverkusen have been very good at times this year. You know, they have been a, a side that will, in my opinion, return to the Champions League next year. And it's a little bit too bad because I think he made the necessary adjustments in the second half after the second goal. And there was a brief moment when it f- when it felt like they could turn this into a 2-2 draw, right, Chris? And maybe if they had started the way that the, uh, the, the side looked like in the second half, um, this would have been an even more evenly match um, than it was um, in the beginning of the first half.
0: Yeah, I can see why um, Herlich tried to do what he what he did in the way he set up. And you're he, he quite right. He asked Bailey and both Robbie to track back as much as they could. I think the system was was hurt because Bellarabi picked up a very early yellow card. I think it was inside the first 20 minutes. So I don't think that helped. And it sort of coincided with his yellow card. That's when Bayern started to get back into it. It was around about the 25-minute mark. They really started to put their foot down. And obviously, I think they scored... Um, not long after that, and that, that was a bit of a that was a bit of a killer moment in the half. That was probably the worst possible time that Leverkusen could have leaked a goal because I think they were just looking to get through to half time after that. And I, I do think that his whole system uh, was altered by that. But then maybe he should have changed it after fifteen minutes to something that we saw in the second half,
1: guys. I feel we need to speak. Um, a little bit more about James Rodriguez that Chris mentioned. Manu, just would you agree with Chris that this is possibly the best performance you've seen from him uh, so far? And how big a signing is this for Bayern Munich? I mean, um, he, he's there on loan, but they have the option to buy. I mean, do you feel that this would be a, a wise choice for them? I mean, that, that free kick that he scored, just just inside the D, you know, nonchalantly hit it into the top corner. You know, that, that was... An absolutely stunning um piece of skill
2: yeah he he was fantastic he he has also assisted uh score, so golden assist and he's really under upinki he has really developed um quite positively it's kind of interesting that he was Carlos Ancelotti's um preferred signing right and then many people suspected that he would have a tough time under upinki but heinkes has really gotten the most out of hummus, and I feel like hummus is really blossoming right now into the um, player that dazzled the world at the 2014 FIFA World Cup in Brazil, where he was the best player at the tournament and i I just I personally think that if Bayern exercised the option they the loan deal was 10 million, and uh, they can make the move permanent for 40, so that's 50 million altogether. That is incredible, an incredible deal for Bayern. Because if Hummels, I think he's twenty four now, maybe twenty five. Correct me if I'm wrong. He still has so much football left, and um, you know he is that he's a a marquee player. And I think that he's slowly but surely turning out into the signing of the season uh, in the Bundesliga. And when he plays like he did against Bayer Leverkusen, he's Probably also at the moment the most talented player in the league, and I think that is that is just fantastic. And Bayern, you know, Bayern are very good at the transfer market. They are very good at identifying players and in making a steal. So, yeah, he's he's fantastic. And I mean, Chris, um, we ch- we talked a lot about when he first signed for Bayern in the beginning of the season and that he was Carlos' man, etc. But your Pinke's has resurrected that guy's career, hasn't he? Yeah, and I think it comes
0: down to what we chatted about um, a long time ago: was that can Carlo Ancelotti develop young players? And although James Rodriguez had a you know a monumental World Cup, and we all saw the goal he scored, which I think was voted goal of the tournament in the end, and his his contribution to that Colombian side was unbelievable, but he went to Real and. I don't know if he got enough game time there or he stagnated a little bit, but he certainly didn't make the impression that he did in, in the World Cup. And when he's come over to Germany, now he looks like, as you quite rightly said, that player. But it, it gives another angle on Carlo Ancelotti's inability to, to develop young talent for me and how he can only work with established talent. And obviously, Heinkus is now trying to develop Rodriguez and, and make him an established talent.
2: I think it's also telling how bad Real Madrid have been this season without him being in that squad. And Ronaldo has said countless times that they're really missing him, right? So I think sometimes in the absence of a player, you you only notice when the player is gone, how good or important that player is for a squad. Yeah, well, definitely uh, impressed
1: on Friday night. So I look forward to seeing a bit more of him, if he can keep this kind of form up the rest of the season but man you ran a bit of a poll online didn't you um on twitter um asking uh, well, all your followers um whether you feel that robin rebery should resign um at bayern or whether bayern should resign them or whether they should let them go um how exactly did that turn out
2: Oh uh, so this is not my opinion I know how Bayern feel fans feel about Robin and Ribery and Ribery in particular who's an absolute legend but okay well this is the result uh 23% said no uh, said yes sorry said yes they should resign both 34% said no they should not resign uh any of the two players Thirty-seven percent said only resign Robin, and only six percent said resign Frank Ribery. Um, yeah, that's that's definitely uh, not not good for Frank Ribery, who of course really wants to stay. Um But I think when when you look at his season, so the goal against Bayer Leverkusen was Frank Ribery's first scorer point of the entire Bundesliga year, and he has. He struggled many, many times with injuries. And I think maybe, maybe just maybe, um, Bayern need to move on and look at other players in, on both wings. I mean, Kingsley Coleman is been, was fantastic already this year. Um, Serge is is going to come back and, you know, with Leon Goretzka, um, a huge likelihood of signing, They, you know, they're bringing in the right players to strengthen that lineup. And maybe, it maybe just maybe it's time to make a generation change at the end of this season and make a cut. And I, I think a lot of people online seem to be agreeing with that, although it is controversial um, for a lot of Bayern fans who are very attached, especially to Frank Ribery.
1: Chris, what what do you think? Well, what did you vote on there? Do you reckon that both of them should move on?
0: It's a hard one, isn't it? If you're going to try and replace, I mean, let's look at their calibre. They're both brilliant players. I think if they lost them both at the same time, that's a bit of a big hole to fill. If you lose one, you can cope um, perhaps more. Bayern need a change. Um, not for the Bundesliga. They need a change if they want to go on and win the Champions League and they need to bring through younger talent and Manu's just identified who they're looking at and, and how that can happen. So I don't know, maybe give them both a one-year extension maximum, but it'd use that year to really, really replace them and that hasn't been done this season so
2: far. Yeah, there's been a few names too that have been floating around of young players that could come in. Um, like Girondos, Bordeaux, Bordeaux, um, Malcolm, he's been, he's been named, uh, I heard Ajax's Neres, although that's, I, I'm not sure if Bayern are really tracking him. And, uh, then Julian Brandt, of course, who seems to be on the radar of both Borussia Dortmund and Bayern. Uh, of course, that opens the can of worms that those two teams are always buying the best from the others. And then a name that is, been spooking around in Munich has been Leon Bailey, Chris, who has been, of course, just identified by us as being a fantastic player. And I think any club, any top club in the world is looking at Leon Bailey right now.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, and all for the right reasons. So if he went to Bayern Munich, I suppose it would be another instance of uh, of them siphoning off the top talent and sort of look what it's done to Hoffenheim a bit losing the players that they have um, especially now another one so yeah I don't think it'd be good for the league as on the whole but if you're looking for Bayern Munich to push on in the Champions League and to get some European honours again then I think that's an option they'll have to look at although for me I think it would reduce the strength of the league overall
2: yeah it's an interesting discussion point though because everyone always blames Bayern for buying the best players from the rest of the league but You know, if you buy. have got to sell them first, haven't you? (laughs) You have to sell them first. A and B, Bayern are looking to bring in the talent that helps them the most, right? That are already integrated into the country and always already speak the language and are very good. And you find those players in, in Germany. That's, that's just how it is. And it's up, it's not up for, to Bayern to ensure that the league is competitive. Although I think and he was quite outspoken about this, wasn't he? That he needs more that they need more competition in the league. But it's not up to Bayern to make the other teams in the league more competitive. That job is, you know, belongs to Dortmund, to Leverkusen, to Schalke. You know, in particular, Dortmund will have been very poor this year and missed a massive chance to really challenge Bayern this year. And they have the finances and they have the squad to challenge a side like Bayern. And I think, I think that's really where the frustration comes from that not that Bayern are so strong, but that the rest of the league is almost inept of really challenging Bayern. Manu,
1: can we confirm that the Gretzka deal is done and dusted? That's pen and paper?
2: Uh, I'm not going to confirm anything until I see the player holding up a shirt um, at a press conference so oh, okay so that's still i think that i one think um you know in general i i'm gonna going to, when it comes to transfers there's going to be a bit of a policy change on on football grad we're not going to confirm um transfers anymore because we get any every journalist gets force fed information and we get asked about information non-stop all the time um in the end of the day There's so many interest groups involved in a transfer. We have outlined it with Goretzka with you know the agent, different clubs, Bayern, etc., all wanting um the player to go to A, B, C and you know. It's it's hard to be a journalist in that because we get a lot of information passed to us and sometimes information that we believe is accurate is not. In terms of Goretzka, I I think the deal is ninety percent done, but we have seen in the past that Bayern have been snatch players that they thought they had already signed so until Goretzka is holding up that Bayern shirt at a press conference and uh, is announced as an officially the deal is done I I'd I be, be wary to say the deal is confirmed I think Bryce we have to look at um,
0: Bayern's not behavior but Bayern's stance throughout this so they've used the media to put Undue pressure on Siretzka to sign, and whether that's Jupp Heinker speaking two to three weeks ago, whether it's the um alleged deliberate leak to build to say he'd signed already just to let him remind her that he'd given them his word to um to the the comments this weekend by um Karl Heinz rumeniger, basically saying it's not done, but you know until he's done the medical and holding up the shirt you don't know There's, that's more undue pressure um so we'll have to wait and see. What What isn't under any doubt, though, is that Bayern Munich are heavily, heavily trying to get hold of him.
1: Let's just see how that one uh, pans out anyway. But let's move away from that. Let's continue to talk about uh, actual football uh, and uh, action on the pitch. If we just looked on further in the table, um, beyond, uh, Bayern Munich. We're gonna see in the, uh, following pack, uh, RB Leipzig, uh, took on Schalke. We had mentioned that Tedesco done a hell of a job with Schalke, um, up to this point, um, surprising some, but this game finished up 3-1 and RB Leipzig, uh, stamped, um, a bit of, a authority, will we say, on, on trying to get that Champions League spot and leapfrogged Schalke into second place. Um, I mean, uh, Manu, how do you how do you see this game? I mean, Schalke have obviously done very well so far, but um, RB Leipzig—they um, they should be come the end of the season back in that Champions League spot once again, shouldn't they?
2: Yeah, I think that Leipzig used that winter break very well to cement the the talent that is the limit, almost limitless talent that is in this side, and sort of get back on track and. Doing so with, you know, all the background noise that has been going on and don't want to get too deep into this, but you know, there's been a lot of background noise going on about the site and they have completely tuned that background noise out and produced a, re- a remarkable performance. I thought on, on this, on this match day. And it looked very much like the site that, that we all marveled at last year and that there was sort of a little, they seemed a little jaded. At the, at the end of the, um, Hinrunde. And I think that this game showed that, you know, how much, how much fun it is to watch this, this side. And I believe that Leipzig at the end of the season will finish second or third and return straight to the Champions League. And they will make, will look a lot different this year, next year in the Champions League than it did this year. Um, just because I think Hasenhüttl is a quick learner and I think he's identifying very quickly. The weaknesses that that hurt the side in the beginning of the season. So I think that this this was a demonstration of strength. And I mean, Schalke were good throughout the year, but you have to you have to look at Schalke's results. There was a lot of games in there that could have also gone the other way. And um, you know, sometimes sometimes when you then meet a side that is convincingly better than they are, and that that is the case in terms of Leipzig. Um, then you just, you, a result like this happens. And I mean, Chris, um, this Leipzig side, if they keep playing like this, it's really too bad that they didn't, that they had sort of a few games halfway through this Hinrunde where they, where they really drop points because there is another side that could challenge Bayern, right? If they had shown a little bit more consistency.
0: Oh, most definitely. And I thought they were, I thought they were excellent, especially the latter part of the second half. Um, uh, Funnily enough, once Kater left, I thought they were were excellent um, and they were quite good before that. Schalke, every now and again, you have a game where it just doesn't work for you. And when that early penalty was saved, I did think they would get themselves back into it. Obviously, they equalised quite quickly as well um, once the second half had started. So... Yeah, I I will put that down to them that it was just one of those bad days in the office and you could see I think when um when Verner scored um uh, it was, you know it was pretty much you could see their face that it was done. But I thought for the first twenty minutes we had a good match this day particularly, but you know, Hassan Huttle changed his side. Um he he probably went with a team we didn't think that would start that match and and, you know, given me his fair dues, they went and they won that game. And it was really comprehensive in the end. And you're quite right, Manu, because they should really be, um, that gap shouldn't be that big. I would probably say if they'd had a decent mid first term of the season, they would probably be six or seven points behind and, and not the gap it is at the moment. And I think we can only say that they will learn from that. They learned from last season, didn't they? Um, I think they learned very, very quickly after the game where we were in May. Uh, not to count your chickens before they hatch and I think that's something that we've seen them develop in their game this season and you know they will have learned from their disappointing Champions League run in the end and they'll have learned that for next season but you know, you can't knock this side because they're learning all the time and if they want to get better and obviously they do want to get better then that's what they need to be able to do they need to be able to make mistakes and learn from them and, and they're doing that so I don't think RB Leipzig are going to go away in the near future um, or maybe for the next 10 years.
1: Well, it's always good to see the competition in the Bundesliga, isn't it? Um, Manu, we're going to have to talk a little bit um, about Umaro Mbalo. I hope I got that right. Um, A midfielder has been uh, linked. It looks like it's um, close, I'm going to say. I'm not going to say anything more to um, possibly going to RB Leipzig.
2: Yeah, it, it, it looks like, like Leipzig, uh, in the driver's seat to get this deal across the line. And this doesn't mean it's done. We already explained what, how transfers work and how we get information. So I don't want to get into too much detail, but if they do get this guy, I think that it's another gem, um, that they're landing there. Uh, Umaro Embalo from Benfica, Lisbon, uh, Portuguese U19, National team player, sorry, U17 national team player. And for the price that they're going to apparently sign him, the 17 million euros is what I've been, what I've been hearing. He's going to be the most expensive U19 player uh, in the history of the game. But, you know, Penfica. Uh, fantastic when it comes to developing players. I know with Renato Sanchez, there's a Bundesliga case where a player hasn't worked out so well, but Yupank has said recently for, that he still believes Renato Sanchez is a fantastic talent and we could probably see him return to Bayern at some point and getting redeveloped. So, you know, Benfica is still, is one of those teams in world football that just develop fantastic players. And, and we, we looked a little bit closer at Omaro Imbalo in an article, article a couple months ago when this transfer first um, appeared there to be a possibility and did a little bit of a scouting report for Fußballstadt.com. So that's up there. Um, you can take a look and, um, talking to people that follow the Portuguese game. They, uh, they believe he is the real deal. And if he gets, ends up in the Bundesliga at a club that is very good at developing young players and giving them the next step, I think he will be another star in the making. Um, which is always fun to, fun to see. Well, certainly, it might be one for
1: us to get excited about. Um, just uh, RB Leipzig, they do love a young uh, transfer, don't they? Uh, guys, let's uh, talk a little bit more about transfers. Uh, in Borussia Dortmund, uh, we've seen them finally get their man, in Manuel Akanji, uh, beating Liverpool and Manchester United, apparently, uh, for him. Uh, the Swiss defender, uh, Manu, again, I know that there's there's an article, isn't there, on, on Football Grad about this. So what can you uh, tell us uh, about this young man?
2: Yeah, first of all, uh, this is this is where Chris had his blunder, I had mine. Uh, it was, I was told from two very good sources that Liverpool had this guy wrapped up and beaten out Borussia Dortmund. But then Dortmund stepped it up and basically paid straight up what Basel were asking for, which was a, a big surprise by anyone. Involved and they got this man. So again, we get fed a lot of information. Uh in the future, I guess I will be a bit more, dif- more careful about sharing that information. But yes, uh, Manuel Kanji, he's, he's fantastic. I mean, when, when I first saw him in Basel, when I was down there, there was a lot of talk about going, him going to Dortmund and that's where he wanted to go in the end of the day. And he's a very quick defender. He's, he's the fastest player that. Basel have in the moment at the squad. I guess now is at Dortmund. He, he clocks the kind of speed that Pierre Emmerich Aubameyang has. And, you know, he's very good in the open opening ball. He can play, play flat passes, um, out on any ground. He was, he was very good against Northern Ireland and the World Cup qualifier. One of the big reasons that Switzerland went through. And, um, he's, he just brings a new level to that defense. And I mean, Chris, Dortmund's defence has been shocking for such a long time now that they really needed to look into bringing in players. I mean, yes, uh, we're talking about the attack in a moment and the the issues with attack and attackers in particular, but defence has been such a big construction site for this club and to bring in a highly talented defender like Akanji, who has speed and the ability to, to start the transition game quickly when they're going forward, that is something that they massively lacked, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, it is. And I think what's key for this is they've now got themselves a defender who can play with either foot, uh, which is exceptionally key for the type of play that Dortmund are famous for and have sort of lacked in the last few months. But he's, you've already mentioned his size, he's, you know, he's he's quite a tall guy um, and he, he has that presence. But I think you're quite right. It's the fact that he can drive on and he can he can almost drive with the ball to the center half, to the center, to the center line, and then hand it over to the attacker. So, I think it takes the pressure off Julian Weigel a bit because he's not going to be that constant pivot in the middle that everything has to go through. I think that when he starts, he'll expect him to get the ball, especially from something like a defensive corner. If it's to his feet, if he picks that ball up in and around the edge of the box, watch him go and he'll drive. And I think this is where a, a really good counter-attacking, very fast Dortmund side. Uh, will will benefit from his presence and and what I am surprised is that Basel let him go because everything was looking like they wanted to keep him until the summer they were very very keen to keep hold of him so Dortmund have done very well to grab themselves the player they wanted there
2: yeah Basel asked for a price that they thought Dortmund would never accept and then Dortmund did basically say straight up okay well we'll pay what you're asking for because they knew I guess that in the summer Liverpool apparently was willing to wait till the summer and that's why everyone thought that's where he's gonna go and then Dortmund said no we want him right now We're, I guess we're just paying whatever you're asking for and that's basically what sometimes happens in transfers right you think a deal is going one way and then another club comes just in and hijacks the deal and completes the move so yeah, I, I was a bit surprised too because I was sure that Basel would hang on. Basel are a tough negotiating club. They are so financially sound, they don't need any money. Um They're very strong Swiss side, fantastic in identifying young players and bringing them through. And yeah, I guess, um you know, Dortmund were, we're really identified this area as one of the key areas to strengthen in this window and to bring in someone right now who can help them. And so they paid... The 21.5 million euros um, plus bonuses to make this deal happen right now, and like, congrats because I think they're getting a fantastic defender, uh, a real gem. Uh, I think the Bundesliga can look forward to a player who's who's going to be outstanding in the years to come.
1: Yeah, another young, exciting transfer for us, and yeah, we look forward to seeing him getting out on the field and see if it really does make a difference to Dortmund, but. Unfortunately, um, some other news that's come out of uh, the Dortmund camp um, over the weekend has, has kind of, um, well, made a lot of people uh, overlook that transfer. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, once again. Uh, Chris, I described him, didn't I, to you uh, in a message as a bit of a transfer window tart. Um, he, he always seems to be um, possibly going here, possibly going there, but never really does. I, he, he was suspended for the game at the weekend. Um what exactly is the story here? I mean, is, is this going to be the final straw? You know, is this time coming to an end at
0: Dortmund? We seem to say this every transfer window, don't we? I think we
1: Everyone.
0: Everyone. <sighs> come January and um, August, we should have a special segment on this podcast called Orba Watch. And we should just dedicate <laughs> 10 minutes of our time to him to see what's happened As he had his Ferrari polished, who's he in a grunt with this week? as he stormed out of training um uh, don't forget
2: Instagram and Twitter posts
0: yes Instagram and Twitter posts um what don't what go there. mask is he modeling this week for um with a Puma shirt on you know there's there's lots um you can't take away from him that he's a fantastic player but he looks like he comes with a lot of baggage um and he looks like he doesn't know what he wants every transfer window um and normally I wouldn't say he gets the backing of the club, but he gets the he gets the telling off in private. We've seen that before. He got a very good telling off in private with the um, with regards to the Nike mask celebration, um, and he was also suspended earlier on in the season for a bit of ill discipline, and, and that's happened again. But crucially, um, Zork's come out this time and and said that you know he doesn't really know what's going on in his head and he doesn't recognise him anymore. Um, And then over the weekend, he's been linked with all sorts of clubs, China, Arsenal, which I think would be, um, without upsetting Arsenal fans, I think it would be a bad move for him because Borussia Dortmund are better than Arsenal. So he's going to take a step down there. Now, if that enables me to get loads of hassle on social media from Arsenal fans, I'm sorry about that. But at the end of the day, Borussia Dortmund are better than Arsenal. So it would be a step backwards for him. Uh, it may be an opportunity for him to rebuild his career and live in a very big city uh, like London, which I think, you know, he's quite keen on that city lifestyle, isn't he? And, you know, being a little bit flash with his with his money and his cash, and he could definitely do that in London. I just think it would be a footballing step back for him. What I do think, though, is it's becoming a bit of a, a sideshow for Dortmund. And you would say, let's get rid of him, because he misses chances. I saw a great stat today that he's, he scores as many as he misses, which which is incredible when you score 31 goals in a season. you know, and I think we said this, manual a lot. He might score 30, but he should be scoring 60. I'm getting the feeling, um, and this is my own feeling, um, my gut feeling is that um Dortmund are getting tired of not just him, but of his entourage and his antics. And we're we'll probably getting to the point now um, where if they can, they'll replace him I don't know if it's going to be the window though um, because the two guys the two youngsters they brought in to try and help that I thought were excellent but they're not quite ready Yomalenko is a brilliant player I do like him he blazes that chance over the bar on the weekend that I think yang puts away and they win that game and they're back in the hunt for second place so I think if if Dortmund could replace replace him I think he'd be out the door straight
2: away yeah, he still might be. By the way, we ran a Twitter poll on this too, and 65% of all, all users. I and mean, when you put a B4B hashtag on it, it's, it's very prolific. Um, a lot of people, you know, tend to vote on this. And 65% sell him now. And, uh, 8% don't sell him. And 27% said bench him until the summer, which, uh, I, I guess is the, 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 the kind of sentiment you get from a lot of B4B fans that are just fed up. Right, and I think you're quite right, Chris. A lot of people are just simply fed up with all the antics, and it's becoming such it's becoming such a sideshow, nonstop. It's like over here, over going there, Instagram posts, Twitter posts. Um, the comment that he made under Sancho's post saying, "Take me to London now," right? How do I get to London? And this is the kind of stuff that we saw with PSG in the summer. You know, Paris was the destination then, and then it was Milan. When he said on public television, well, Milan didn't do enough to get me, right? He's under contract at Borussia Dortmund, and he's making a lot of money at Borussia Dortmund. And I think it's very disrespectful to his teammates. It's very disrespectful to his employer. I mean, how would any of our employers act if we made those kind of antics? You know, if we would constantly say we don't want to be there, we want to be somewhere else we would get fired. (laughs) And that's the the bottom line. Of course, they can't do this. Football is a difference. So it's hard to compare the the one with the other. But in the end of the day, no one is bigger than the club. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is not bigger than the club. And when I said in the summer, I really hope Dortmund hang on to him because he's such a glamorous figure and the Bundesliga really needs him. It's gotten so over the top that I think right now he's hurting Dortmund and he's hurting the product that is the Bundesliga. So maybe, you know, if he wants to play Europa League with Arsenal for the next five years, that's maybe where you, where you should send him off to. Because I agree with you, Chris. It's a, it's a step backwards. And I, as like you, I don't care if Arsenal fans are going to send me hate mail on Twitter for the next five days, but that's a fact. That's a fact of life. So I think it, Aubameyang has to decide what he wants. And if he wants to live in London, you know, make lots of money playing for a team that's in decline that's just selling off their best player, I think to Manchester United or Manchester City, and he wants to become that player to come in to replace that other player without actually fitting into that system that Arsenal are playing. Maybe it's just best to take the money and then go somewhere and identify two or three young strikers that actually want to be in Dortmund and want to play there and want to use the stepping stone of the Bundesliga or just in general want to want to be successful without all the side noise. That's that's just my personal opinion, but I think it's it's getting to the point now where it's hurting the club.
0: I mean, the problem Dortmund have is is that in they have a thirty one goal hole if he goes, and and that's probably the risk that they're having to weigh up now. Do we put up with this anymore? Or do we just tell him to stay until the summer and then he goes and scores, I don't know, another 15 or 20 goals and, and we get back into Champions League qualification or we even finish second. Uh, it, it's a, it's a risky situation for Dortmund now, but I, I'm with you. I I think that it's becoming a toxic relationship that is poisoning the club.
2: Well, I think one of the problems, Chris, is that they had identified a forward in, in Argentina, right? Benedetto, who they wanted to really bring in. And then that guy, ripped his ACL. So the, the natural replacement that they had already identified and wanted to bring in all of a sudden wasn't a possibility. So you know that's that's a tricky thing. You you need to bring in someone who can play for you in the Europa League, because that's where they are right now, right away was was able to play there. So um there isn't that many strikers on that level in Europe that you can bring in right away and are going to, you know, function. And I I don't think they necessarily need 15 goals out of their new player because Aubameyang, you know, the way he's been on and off form and been suspended on and off, who knows how many goals he's going to give you in the second half of the season, right? But they need someone who can guarantee the maybe 10, 12 goals until the end, until, until the summer, just so they can secure that, that Champions League spot, which is going to be very important for the club to move forward.
0: Well, we'll be there or I'll be there for um, Football grad Friday night to see if indeed he's still a Dortmund player or if he's dropped to the bench or if he's departed for England. Yeah,
1: interesting times. I would probably agree with the both of you fellas in saying that I think he should be um, sent on his way. I don't think that that attitude can be very good for the likes of, uh, the two young men that started up top for them in Isaac and Sancho. Um, he surely can't be good to have for morale and, uh, these young players coming through, but we'll just have to watch that one closely. And by the way, Manny, nobody said that Arsenal were guaranteed to get even European football in the next five years. So that was a big statement. You know, they may not even get in there. Burnley are still knocking around, right? Anyway. God, we're going to get so much abuse from Arsenal fans.
2: Um, They're all going guys, to go on Arsenal TV and yell at us. It's going to be the best advertisement for us that we could ever imagine. <laughs> uh, we're, we're,
1: we're going to have to answer to that fella bully or whatever. He looks like a big chap too. Oh dear. Uh, anyway, let, let's get away from uh, Arsenal. Uh, guys, that more or less brings us to the end today. No doubt there's going to be plenty more to talk about, um, whether it's transfers, only Completed transfers, obviously, uh, and uh, games next week. Uh, rather exciting times. I'm, I'm sure we're all happy to have the uh, the football back. Um, Manu, now that you're back across the water, you're in Canada once again. What have you got going on, and would you like to draw people's uh, attention to in the coming week?
2: Yeah. So whenever a signing, not all the signings, but most of the big signings uh, is done in the Bundesliga, we'll have a little feature on a scouting report on done transfers. Uh, no speculations on com. So you can find, um, done transfers on Fußballstadt.com. And then of course on footballgrad.com, we're, we're slowly but surely gearing up for, for the World Cup. So a lot of, a lot of the work that's going to be happening until I return to Europe in, in the springtime is going to be getting ready for the, the big stage the the World Cup. So yeah, that's that's really, you know, pretty much it. There's going to be tons of articles. Um they can all be found at Football Grad Live.
1: Yeah, always the case. Plenty of
0: articles and going on at Football Grad. Uh, Chris, what would you like to draw people's attention to? Um well I'm back out to Germany this week, Bryce, Friday night. I'll be in the Olympic Stadion for Hertha Berlin as they welcome Borussia Dortmund and then Saturday I'll have the pleasure of getting on the ICE fast train over to Wolfsburg as they host Eintracht Frankfurt so just keep an eye either on the at football grad live or on my twitter handle which is at chris78williams and you'll see the links to the live blogs um, to all the stadium pictures that we take and to the full-time reports so yeah just
2: keep your eyes on there for all the match day 19. Yeah, we've been busy going to lots of matches this season, so I, I think we'll basically continue that till the very end. You know, either Chris or I will be probably at almost all the match days in one capacity or another. That takes us down to just the three, um, which is why I chose Wolfberg, um,
0: Trap Frankfurt. We just now need to see um Bayer Leverkusen Leverkusen's one of the other teams, and we'll have seen them all, man, this season between wow. us. That's amazing. That's pretty good going,
1: guys. That's deserves a pat on the back for the both of you. It's very exciting but very fun and enjoyable times as well. That more or less does it. I've been your host Bryce Dunn. You can find me on Twitter at Price done eleven, guys. If you enjoy the podcast, please head over to the likes of uh, iTunes and leave some uh, feedback, uh, positive, hopefully. Um, And any other topics you'd like us to discuss, uh, you're more than welcome to get in touch with us on the likes of Twitter. And yeah, always check out Football Grad Life for latest uh, articles and and going on, I suppose, uh, in the Bundesliga. But that more or less does it for this week. Hopefully, you'll enjoy the football just as much this coming week of Peter's in.
0: Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude
1: über den Asphalt, als wäre es ein Rhythmus, als gäbe es ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen, ich hab zu holen.